Hi, I'm your host, Rowan Tonkin, and welcome to Being Planful, the show for FP&A leaders and planning experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Planful. Uh, we're actually on site at Planful Perform 23. Uh, I'm uh, the CMO here at Planful, and I'm really pleased to be joined by uh, Ian Charles, CFO at Filevine. Uh, welcome, Ian. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. And uh, many of you may not know, but uh, Ian actually used to be the CFO of Planful back when it was called uh, Host Analytics. So a little uh, reunion, I suppose, for you, Ian. It is. It's a little bit of a homecoming. Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, we had a uh, prep conversation here and we wanted to talk a, a little bit about uh, creating a team environment uh, in the office of the CFO. So firstly, what does it mean to be a team inside of the finance function? Well, we have various functions inside of finance that many people aren't aware of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, for in a large part, the company thinks that things just happen, right? Yeah. Um, contracts get signed, bills get sent out, money gets collected, uh, the reports are produced, the audit goes clean, you know, yeah. all these things just magically happen. And, and unfortunately, that's not the case. So a team is comprised of individuals that uh, go from accounts receivable to accounts payable to payroll to health and benefits to accounting, uh, FP&A, yeah. uh, planning and budgeting. So it, it takes a village. It's, it's interesting to me because it feels like one of the similar types of functions to marketing. For example, in marketing, it's very rare to have someone that does the same thing, right? And it's very similar in finance too, where most individuals have a very different job than their peers, except maybe on an FP&A team, but they probably support different departments or different functions or products even. Mm. Yeah. So as you think about that, like how do you then get the team together, right? All working to the, towards the same goals because a lot of the time their alignment might be different. Their goals are different because that's specific to their function. It, that's very true. And that is a common mistake in um, how you build a team and mm -hmm. where you assign responsibility. Um, it's easy to say this is accounts receivable and you're responsible for collections. It's not so easy to say you're an FP&A and make sure there's no disconnect between what marketing is thinking mm -hmm. and what corporate finance is thinking. Yeah. So I tend to align uh, analysts with each department. Mm -hmm. So I've got an analyst devoted to marketing, one to yep. sales, one to engineering, ops, and so forth. And so when they're doing their, I'd say, non-core work about yeah. planning the future, we make sure there's not a disconnect between what their plans are and what the budget looks like. Mm -hmm. And do those, uh, you know, in, in FP&A specifically, how do you work with the leaders of those functions to make sure that those FP&A uh, partners are part of their teams too, right? Like right. that's a another struggle I often see is it's like, oh, well, finance, the finance team keep coming over here. Whereas actually I, I personally treat our, our finance business partner as part of my team. He's invited to all my team calls. And, uh, you know, when we get together, I want him there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so sometimes, rarely, it takes a little persuasion. But yeah. when, um, when they're talking about budget, it's amazing yeah. how they become very open <laughs> to, uh, um, you know, give me a business partner that I can work with. And, um, and we tend to align personalities and we tend to yeah. align knowledge of a particular space. 
And so it doesn't seem as intrusive or yep. um, overbearing or whatever the term you want to use. Um, so most of the time, it's um, the, the analysts are considered part of the yeah. team. Great. And, and as you think about the, the team of finance, the finance team, how do you build culture within the team? Because mm. you've got two sides of the coin, right? You've got the forward-looking folks and the backward-looking folks. Sure. Um, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, because culture is everything. Mm -hmm. It really is. And um, it starts at the top. And I tend to over-communicate. And then after I'm done over-communicating, I tend to over-communicate again. <laughs> um, and I do that in a number of different ways. Obviously, through one-on-ones with direct reports, that's great. But I have a, a sync twice a week with the entire team. Okay. Um, all analysts, all FP&A, all accounting, all AR, AP. Mm -hmm. And I do that on purpose so that we can talk about the various priorities that finance is given mm -hmm. um, because they change. Yeah. And they change on a moment's notice. And when the CEO needs something for an investor or a particular customer contract is front and center, we have to adjust those priorities. And so those two sinks twice a week allow us to do that, talk amongst ourselves, figure out what's blocking, mm -hmm. you know, what is standing in the way of this priority and what can be moved to the back. Mm -hmm. And therefore nobody feels as if they don't understand what's expected. Yeah. They feel included. Um, and that communication creates a really nice, warm, collaborative culture. Does, does Filevine have like a defined value system and, and how, does, um, how does finance align to that or adjust within that? Um, they do. Um, it, it's about under-promising and over-delivering. Okay. It's about being biased towards action. Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage what I refer to as heads-up play. Yeah. Um, and it's a term I've brought with me to a number of organizations where if you see something, bring it to the surface. Yeah. Because if you're thinking something that you're maybe you're not quite sure where it fits in, let's talk about it because typically there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah. But heads up play or bias towards action is one of our core values and it works phenomenally well. Nobody in finance likes surprises. No. <laughs> it's so very so bad. I can see how that one uh, how that one actually helps. It's like yeah. just don't surprise me. Yeah. So yeah. that makes a ton of sense. And so we take the culture within the finance team itself, and then are you trying to apply some of the thinking and, and the kind of um, the culture that you're looking to create in, in finance throughout the company? How do you uh, get your FP&A team, maybe specifically, to be enablers of that financial enablers of the financial culture within the business? Mm. So, I, I encourage folks to understand the inner workings of the business, mm -hmm. and not just their specific role. Mm -hmm. So, let's just take accounts receivable, for example. Yeah. Um, it behooves them to understand the inner workings of how contracts get signed or communications happen between salespeople and managers and customers mm -hmm. and what was said and documented versus just, hey, there's an outstanding invoice for a hundred grand I need to collect. Yeah. Um, that disconnects them from the process. So yeah. the more they know about the business, the more they know about the metrics, the more they understand what creates value, um, the easier it is for them to do their job and communicate internally and get stuff done. Yeah, it's, it's easier. I'll speak from experience here. Uh, you know, when I think about my business, you know, we run on a PO process. 
So for me, I'm not so worried about invoices because I'm like, yeah, well, that seems like, you know, I know where I am, plan to budget, to committed. The invoices, I can wait for that information, you know, at the end of every month. So I'm not like sitting there, you know, really uh, focused on invoicing every month. When I do care is when we're late with a vendor that I particularly care about or a contractor that I really care about or I've made a personal commitment to someone and I said, oh, you know, look, I asked for extended payment terms. I'll make sure that we get that one paid on time. And so that's when I don't like surprises from the finance team. But when you're able to foster that relationship and say, hey, uh, guys, you know, you asked me to get extended payment terms, so I did. I, I, I did a personal favor for someone to do that. Make sure you pay them on time. And then, sure. and then the team prioritized that back. And, and ultimately, that's the, the, the financial IQ that we all need to have. So my next question is, how do you then treat uh, your, your team to ensure that they're thinking about those types of things? Like, how do, how do you get them to make sure that they're asking business leaders to say, hey, we have a specific goal, right? Maybe it's to uh, increase um, our your runway a little bit, like mm-hmm. for example. A lot of people are doing that right now. How do you get the team to go and you know put their reputation and say, hey, we need you to make this? How do you get that happen? Well, again, it's about uh, communication. So yeah. for example, if I wanted to extend out payables, yeah. my days payable outstanding, mm-hmm. which is the other side of receivables, um, and I wanted to push payments out a couple of days, we're going to communicate with you and, yeah. and let you know that this is what we're doing. Is that a problem? Yeah. So that we don't trip over ourselves and cross a promise that you, have, yeah. that you may have made. So exactly. it's, it's really about communication, whether that's just verbal, whether that's electronically. Um, it's, again, as much as finance doesn't like to be surprised, yeah. most people don't like to be surprised. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so what about building your team? Like when you're, when you're thinking about, okay, well, I've got my team. How do you build a, a future ready team, right? Like what we're seeing in the market right now is a lot of change happening. Obviously, chat GPT and all of those things. How do you think about your future proofing your team for the technology that they might need and also the tools and skills that they might need in future? That's a great question. Um, I could speak for hours on this one. Um, <laughs> I believe it's a two-way street. Yeah. Um, your employment, um, you give as much to the company as the company should give to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't be just work, work, work without a reward. And um, your experience is your professional currency. Yeah. So I'm very clear with my team about what do they want to achieve? What would they like to experience? What experiences would they like to put in their quiver mm-hmm. over the next 12 to 18 months? And I feel it's my obligation as manager to give them those experiences. Yeah. So that when they are ready for the next step, it's not empty. It's supported by good experience, training, yeah. certifications, all of that that allows them to take the next step. If we're not doing that, we're not properly preparing our team to... Mm-hmm. Um, take on new roles. Things happen. People leave. New yeah. opportunities come across. And you don't want to be single-threaded. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be left with a team that really can't handle the job at hand. Do you have um, programs in place? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, where, for example, your FP&A team go on rotation through different par- departments and things like that. How do you how do you make that happen when they're like, I got a great relationship with marketing. I want to stick with the marketing team. Of course they do. 
uh, I don't want to go and do you know the product and engineering side. Yeah, there's there's some of that. Yeah. Um, there's folks that just are clueless about engineering and they yeah. really don't know how to approach it, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, same on the marketing side. Yeah. Um, there are some folks I don't know why, but don't want to work with sales. <laughs> <laughs> And there are some that do. So yeah. I, I try and align personalities yeah. and experience uh, to make sure that everything works smoothly. There really is no silver bullet. Mm -hmm. um, there's no training program that says, here, we're going to walk you through the um, sales metrics to allow you to become an analyst to sales ops or rev ops or anything like that. Yeah, It's more about um, what do we need to accomplish? Who has the experience or wants the experience? Where is their personality alignment? Yeah. Um, and where is their business alignment? And then uh, you, you mentioned RevOps. How do you see the relationship with RevOps? Something that, you know, I, I run the RevOps function here at, at Planful and uh, weird for marketing to have that in, in, in some sense. Uh, but one of the emerging trends I've seen is obviously sales and marketing technology kind of got out of hand. <laughs> uh, for the last 10 to 15 years. and you, like, you guys like the shiny, bright objects. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always value to be had, right? We're, we're optimists. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've we got a lot of technology and then so we brought this RevOps function and then it's super focused on all the go-to-market strategies and, and, and that ultimately quickly gets into revenue and uh, all the data around revenue and pipeline and a lot of, you know, folks that I speak to are like, oh, that's kind of clamping on to FB&A's, you know, uh, needs and demands. And how do you create that relationship with RevOps? And where do you see the barriers between, uh, not barriers actually, but connection points between RevOps and, and FB&A in, in your organization? Yeah. Uh, FB&A is FB&A. RevOps is RevOps. Um, CPQ is a great tool that we've mm -hmm. recently um, put in place that yep. really gives uh, horsepower to RevOps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and we like to leave it there mm, and yeah. not encroach on what we're not supposed to encroach on. It's in, uh, on the flip side of that coin, they don't do FP&A. Yeah. So they're true. not planning budgets. Um, we're working with them on what they need to accomplish their mm -hmm. revenue goals. Um, but CPQ is a an example of a tool that... Yeah. Um, would sit in RevOps and sales ops and um, uh, not be something that we would um, tinker with. Yeah, for those that aren't in the B2B SaaS world, CPQ is configure price quote solutions and, and they help sellers basically uh, configure price and quote deals and, right. and then ultimately that gets through to signature and sent into ERPs for uh, transactions, right? Correct. Yep. So. Um, Ian, this has been amazing. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, any final words for uh, for our listeners out there? It's just great to be here at Perform. Yeah. Um, it's great to see old friends and make new friends. Yeah. And um, and the success that you guys have achieved is, uh, is wonderful. And um, happy to be here. I wish well, you guys the best. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for stopping by.